TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. Change up, got him looking. Wow. Well, there's 94, a high fastball, a strikeout, and a quick second inning for Barrios. Change got him. And strikeout number three for Barrios. Change up, got him again. Wow. See? Fastball for strike three. Change up, maybe his best of the night. And he struck him out for the third time. That last one is the one I was talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Just dive. He, he, it was funny because they were showing him walking back to the dugout, and he it looked like he was giving a little grin to Practice Acevedo. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I saw yep. that. That was really good. Yeah. This is the Score North first place twin show. I'm Derek Wetmore. That's Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. We're trading out the guy who used to drive the Bomba bus, Rami Rami Makloff, for the new Bomba bus driver, Judd Zolgad and Matthew Collar joins us. Rami's got two names now? Yeah. Uh, he accidentally just nicknamed himself. It was Rami uh, Rami? disappointing. Yeah, better than Rambo. So what? What we saw last night to me is why Barrios can be an ace. That's what an ace does. That's right. He takes a two-game losing streak and says, "Guess what? Tonight it, it ends." That was the performance that you, if you are grooming him to be a top your rotation for years to come, that was what you need to see. We are going to get to Brios, of course. We're going to ask GM Thad Levine, who joins the show around 120 or so, calling into the Score North first place twin show to talk. I'm sure Judd will ask him about Craig Kimbrell, and I'm sure Judd, the media jackal, he'll ask him about Dallas Keuchel. He'll I ask hope, him about I the bullpen I meltdown. I should be fired. <laughs> we can trust him to ask the tough questions, but one of the things that we're finishing up here is five thoughts from the last segment. That is five relievers that the Twins could trade for now that Craig Kimbrell is in the rearview mirror, we already brought up in the first segment with Rami and Manny, we brought up uh, Ken Giles in Toronto, and then Rami brought up Will Smith in San Francisco. Both guys that I think could make real sense for the Twins. I'll move right on and go to one that's in the division. Thought number three relievers they could trade for would be Shane Green of the Detroit Tigers. Judd, I know you were talking about him. Maybe that was last week we were talking about guys yeah. who are out there Relievers who are competent and capable. How would you feel about adding Shane Green to the back of that bullpen? What's the price for him? Yeah, that's not much. You're not going to be giving up a top prospect. He'll huh. give up a good player, somebody you'd like to have. I wouldn't be anti. I wouldn't have. If that's where you, you land, I guess initially as I start to look at things, if I'm uh, uh, Derek and Thad, I'm trying to uh, fry bigger fish than that. Okay. But if I end up there... It's not the complete end of the world. So, Matthew, let me ask you, because this, is this your first time on Score North Twin Show? Oh, no, no, no. You were here to rant and rave about Miguel Sano. Uh, I was here like, to defend my correct position on Miguel Sano. <laughs> That's right. I wish he'd played last night so we had a little bit more juice for that. But we'll, we'll get to it. What was nice was the next game after we put that out there, he uh, threw the ball away and then yeah, grounded out in a big situation. That so, happened. Um <laughs> Congratulations, Nobody Matthew Nobody was in Collar. my mentions after that. We're weird. not going to talk about Miguel Sano today. I want to ask you about Craig Kimbrell because you and I have not talked about this. That Yeah, of course, I think we all agree that it could have made sense for the Twins. Are you, uh, you feel like they missed a boat there? Or is trading for a reliever, which has been my contention, is that still a logical path? I think that uh, when you're in a position that the Twins are in right now, that you do things that don't make as much sense if you were just a regular sort of kind of contending team trying to fight for a playoff spot, when you have World Series caliber team written on you, 
um, which is them and Houston right now and probably the Yankees. Sure. So you're one of three. Boston right now is not strong enough. They could be throughout the summer. Maybe they'll get a little bit better. Maybe put so, Tampa Bay on that list. Yeah. But it's a I, short list. Sure. Um, I kind of knocked them down a little bit of a peg. And maybe this is unfair just after the Twins took three out of four. But I thought, no, you are better than Tampa Bay because yeah. their lineup is pretty weak. They've done it with a absurdly low ERA. I don't know if that's going to be able to play uh, throughout the whole season. But anyway, okay, sure. But you're one of four or five teams in the American League who could represent the AL in the World Series, so you act a little bit differently than you would if you were just fighting for a playoff spot. And sometimes you go longer on a contract because that's just what you have to do. That's the price to play poker. And I think of our friends, Judd, you're the hockey guy, our uh, friends, the Boston Bruins, who decided a few years ago to sign David Backus to a tremendously bad contract. Mm -hmm. It was... Long and it was expensive, and he was over 30. And every one of us went, What in the world are they doing? David Backus isn't worth that now, but they've made another Stanley Cup final and they still have a chance to win it. And he's not a star player on the team, but he sure is better than the replacement level player over his career in Boston. Those are the types of moves you make when you know that your window to win is open. And I think you make those moves all the time if you're any team that doesn't have what the Yankees do for resources. If you're the Yankees, you make whatever you want to make for moves because you're the Yankees and you can snap your fingers and be at the top of the league the next year just spending more than everybody else. The Twins are not in that spot. And that's why I was actually pretty disappointed that the reason that they didn't go all in was just the third year. Well, yeah, and that now becomes, so that's the key question. What we learn a lot about people when sudden change happens, opportunity is presented, and the question becomes, are you going to go in? Because right now, it's a perfect storm, and you cannot predict that this is going to continue into 2020. But right now, the American League's not that good. You you threw out the teams that are contenders, and you said maybe Boston, but you're not even sure in 2019 about Boston, Collar. The guys that you have added in Scope and uh, Cruz and that whole group have been, for the most part, fantastic. You know God is giving you a gift. This is not a nebulous, well, you could use a bat in right field, and you could use a starting pitcher, and you could use bullpen help. You can look right now and and see plain as day exactly what you need. All of these things are the perfect storm. And And now the question for Derek and Thad becomes... You know this. You're smart enough to know this. Do you make the moves necessary to capitalize, which might mean in 2022, you've made a bad trade. But if it ends with the World Series in 2019, Derek, as you've said a thousand times, flags fly forever. And those tattoos. I gotta be careful with the wording on that. <laughs> the and, tattoos that everybody got in 2019. Those are permanent, too. And, and I get it, though, with Kimbrell and the age and everything else. And I'm always usually captain of that ship of, mm-hmm. hey, don't pay older players because you're just asking for trouble. Last year, though, he threw an average fastball of 97.1 miles per hour, which is exactly on par for his career. So even into his later years, still throwing 97 miles an hour. And 
we've seen a number of closers that were the elite closers, not just guys who are, oh, you know, this guy closes for a year or two, and then he's a different role with somebody else or whatever. Like Eddie Guardado was a lefty specialist, and he was a closer, then he was a lefty specialist, and, you know, not not guys like that. I'm talking Rivera, Rob Nen, Tre- uh, Troy Percival, like the best of the best. Kimbrell is in that category, yeah. and I think into his early 30s, he should be pretty good. But even if it blows up on you, even if you make an ALCS, you're like, yeah, we got to the ALCS and we knew we had this guy. The other thing, too, is these relievers that they found, congratulations on finding them. I mean, great job. Like, you you found guys who have given you more than you expected. And even if they implode after this, you have to send them down to the minors. They got you to first place and they did great. But do we trust them at all in a five-game series, in a seven-game series to close out Three, four games. Taylor, I mean, Ro- Taylor Rogers, Rogers I do. yes. That's uh, it. But Blake Parker is is a guy who certainly can be used. But if you put the faith that they are, are having to put in him right now, and he got up in, in the bullpen last night, and I began to sweat profusely. <laughs> no, you've got a problem. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, and- so this is all about, this, this all goes back to a very simple thing. And this is true of the rotation and the bullpen. If you bump everybody back one spot for the most part, aside from a few people, if you can bump them back, it improves you immensely to make a postseason run. So and, you, get- and you don't have to give up anything. That's what I loved about the Kimbrel. Is yeah, not sure. only is he the best player you can get, you brought up Shane Green. I was like, okay, I mean, that's just a guy, though, right? I mean, this is just Shane Green. Well, who like, knows? But, we'll see. But Craig Kimbrell is a special Major League Baseball player. This guy he strikes out. He strikes out fourteen per nine innings. But he's not. It's not like he's been out of the league for four years. He was just no, only yeah, nine months. I mean, this is last year that he pitched <laughs> right. sixty three so, games. So, so that, in that, fairness, that was my frustration. Let's let's give them until July thirty first. If they don't make aggressive moves, but by then I think we go back totally on different this conversation and say, That's right. "What were you thinking?" That's right. Then I'm aligned with you guys, and I'm also yeah. hitting the panic button. There's another thing that goes around, and uh, I don't know if you guys have said this or not, but I'm not. I'm just not a huge fan of it. Is when we look at the things that the Twins do, and we go, "Well, you know, if they did it, they must have had good reason, and they must be right." Um, I understand why we do that because they've really hit some gems this year. CJ Crone, like what a great job. And Nelson Cruz uh, has an impact on everybody around him, I think. And I didn't know that about Nelson Cruz before. It was just one year ago that a bunch of moves blew up in their face. I mean, it was one year ago that they didn't keep Anibal Sanchez and he went and had an amazing year somewhere else. One year ago that they had Logan Morrison and, and Lance Lynn wasn't any good. So, I mean, they're fallible as well. And in something like this, I think if the logic was, ah, uh, we just can't go that three years, I I don't think that that was the right line of thinking. Now, there could be other reasons. Kimbrell might have wanted to go to Chicago. Ty goes to the Chicago, maybe. And if they came in with the same, right? <laughs> then, I go up to four, the then I go up to $45 million. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying is like, maybe, maybe he wanted to be there or whatever else. There's always things behind the scenes that you might not know or might not find out. But if it was only, hey, if you give me three years and a few more million bucks, I'll come here, and that was the only reason they didn't, then I would say, I I don't think you made the right call. So I've got a couple other relievers that are worth trading for. Number four on my list of those guys would be Michael Givens in Baltimore. I think they'd trade him yesterday. I think that Baltimore is so far out of it, and they're going to be so many years before that's a competitive club again. The Manny Machado era is over. He's not the like lighting the world on fire, Michael Givens, this year, but he's a really good reliever, and in the past, he's been dominant. That might be the kind of guy that I would target and say, 
how much would this cost in terms of prospects? Because we have what you need, and you have an arm that we could pair with Taylor Rogers at the very back of the bullpen. So I appreciate like what you've done here by researching other teams' relievers so I didn't have to because I have no idea who Michael Givens is. Um, but every name you say, I'm like, is this guy anywhere close to Craig Kimbrell? Like, no. Well, uh, let's I mean, just fast forward. For that? Like let's that. fast forward to number five then, because this guy, I will argue that this guy will have a better stretch run than Craig Kimbrell, and that's Rachel Iglesias. Thought number five, Reds closer. Okay, now we're talking. So that guy is and somebody who's come you? up in the past. And what does he cost you? What are you willing two to good give prospects up for him? that you didn't want to lose, but that are not named Royce Lewis, Alex Kirloff, or Bruce Arkwright at all? How about Will Smith? Yeah, he's on the list. He yeah. he was he was the second guy we brought he, up. He's a guy that intrigues But he's me. a rental, so he's not going to cost you that's an my, arm but and But that's a my leg. point. That's my if but if okay, so It'll cost you a finger and maybe okay. a couple toes. Okay, but let's say that is let's say you do not want to talk about your top 2 prospects. You don't want to talk about your top 5. Rentals then. Bumgarner Will Smith. What does that cost you? Cuz those are the type of moves. And you know what? Guys, for the purposes of 2019, Rentals are fine. This is all, if you look at the construction of this roster as a whole, there are plenty of short-term players here right now. This is not your long-time, this is not your 2022 twins. No, scope is Scope is gone. So you are trying to There's win. really only like two guys that you're, or three guys you're worried about losing next year. But I don't, but my point is you, you have uh, captured lightning in a bottle and you don't care. So if I can get Bumgarner and Smith as rentals, that's fine. Yeah, everything I'm doing right now is geared towards looking at how can I possibly capitalize to win a World Series in 2019 because everything is setting up to give me that chance. And and I saw this franchise do exactly that. 87. It all came together. They were unbelievable in the dome on the road. They were sort of garbage at times, but everything came together and they capitalized. That, to me, is very much the template in some ways of what 2019 is becoming because you're seeing an opportunity here. I started this whole thing by saying, and we're we're kind of on the same page, and after all, you are the driver of the Bomba bus, so who am I to say? But I would just suggest that the three things that I'm looking for right now in a trade, I posted this on Score North uh, on Twitter yesterday. The three things that I'm looking for are bad team, elite reliever, those two are mandatory. Third and final, if I can get it, team control for next year or beyond. So this is not, by no means is yeah, this a yeah. line in the sand, like I won't trade for Will Smith. Heck, I think if the Twins like Will Smith, he's a good trade target. My preference would be a guy like Iglesias if I can get him for more than this year because I think the World Series window is not just 2019. I think the Twins are World Series contenders this year, next year, and the year after that. I would be really good with Iglesias because I think he's a proven top closer who you put right in at the back end of the bullpen and you know exactly what you've got there. The The thing I think about with giving away prospects is just tell me what position isn't in pretty good shape for the next three years. Right. There are very few positions where you say, oh, well, you know, they, you lose got, scope, they got somebody but... coming up, so you got to have this. Okay, well, Royce Lewis is going to be that guy, we assume. But aside from him... And I would even talk about him for the right guy. But aside from him, I mean, you can afford to give up the prospects that you've built up as currency to bring in people because of, of the just the fact that you're set at many positions. Sure. It's a fair point. I'm still not losing a trade just to get a reliever. You know, like there, if you're going to lose a trade to get a starter, or, well, now we're talking a little bit different conversation. But the reliever pool to me is very deep and wide. You can go get somebody good 
without trading one of your stud prospects. The guy that's going to be in charge of all that, Thad Levine, the GM of the Twins, is coming up next on the Score North Twins show. We got Judd Zalgad, Matthew Collar hanging out with me, Derek Wetmore, and Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. After this short break, Thad Levine is going to be asked the tough questions by the driver of the Bomba bus, Judd Zalgad, and the rest of us here on the Score North, first place twin show on Score North and scorenorth.com. My baseball friends, Mackie here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Business owners, I'm talking to you, and I've been one myself. I know what goes into it. You love it, but you're grinding every day, solving problems, taking care of employees. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect you. I've become a fan of baseball and everything you need to know about how baseball works. And it might get a little crazy, but let's get straight to it. Whoever scores the most runs wins. It's the Score North Twin Show. Twins Twins coverage on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Score North has launched a new podcast series. It's called Minnesota Sports Rewind, where we go back and do deep dives in some of the most prominent moments in Minnesota sports history. Right now, you can find episodes on Twins and Tigers Game 163, Twins and A's from Game 5 of the 0-2 ALDS, and Kevin Love's 30 and 30 game. It's Minnesota Sports Rewind on scorenorth.com, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts. Score North Twin Show, TCL Broadcast Studios, cast of thousands today. Zolgad, Wetmore, Collar, Manny Hill uh, producing, and we are now joined by the general manager of the Twins, Thad Levine. How are you today, sir? Doing fabulous, guys. Thanks for having me on. No problem. All right, let's start with the tough questions. Craig Kimbrell, what, what can you tell us about what the Twins' interest ultimately was in him, where those talks went, and, and were you disappointed ultimately a couple nights ago when he uh, picked the Chicago Cubs? Well, I, you know, I don't think uh, we, we've made a practice of not necessarily publicizing our pursuits of free agents, but I will just say this, that, you know, I think it's our jobs to, to constantly look at all the markets out there, trade and free agency alike, and see ways to improve the team. And I think as we've talked about in past shows, the fact that Craig Kimberl and Dallas Keuchel were out on the market were very atypical. You usually don't have the ability to add players of that, of that caliber uh, in the early part of June. So we, we certainly had conversations with their agents. We understood what their asking price was. Ultimately, uh, where where they signed was cl- clearly a preference for them, but also reflective of the teams that that were the most aggressive in those markets. And we'll continue to seek other means to, to help bolster our current club. In talks like that with veteran uh, players and especially pitchers, what ultimately becomes the more important uh, topic, the actual uh, cash that they are seeking or the term? I think it's a great question, and I think it's a very personal choice by every single player. Uh, certainly when you're negotiating with an agent, sometimes they hold those, uh, those pieces of information close to the vest, but I think in oftentimes you get a very clear understanding early on whether or not they're trying to maximize their yearly earnings or whether they're trying to maximize their ability to stay in one market for a prolonged period of time. Clearly, one of the motivations for Craig Kimbrell was to sign the longest-term deal that he could. I think Dallas Keuchel probably took a little bit of a different approach where he got the most money he could get this year to try to then go out, perform at the level that he knows he will, and then put himself back on the market and in a prime position to have the extension this offseason. Two, two players, both very talented, both took different tacks. 
uh, in approaching this market midseason. And I guess time will tell as to which one will prove more fruitful for the players. Yeah, Thad, this is Derek here. And I'm curious into the insight, peeking into the mind of a, of a general manager like yourself, that we're out here talking on the outside about how you need to patch this hole or fix that. Meanwhile, you're 41 and 20 with a commanding lead in the AL Central. Is that a is that a tough uh, needle for you to thread that, yeah, you're probably going to try to get better this summer, but so far the club has performed like really great. Uh, it, it has, and you know, I give a ton of credit to the players on the field and the, and the staff are around them. I, I think we've enhanced the resources around our team, uh, and and they've really maximized the, their ability on the field. And, and we certainly don't take lightly the fact that we're in a little bit of a different competitive landscape today than we were this off season when we made some moves. So I think it's our responsibility to constantly comb all those markets and figure out ways even when the team seems to, to have a little bit of a cushion, to, to really try to bolster that group. And it, it's easy to look at what we can control. So we're, we're trying to come up with some advanced progressive programming for some of our pitchers in the minor leagues so that they can be the next line of defense in the event that we need them. Uh, but additionally, we, we will look at the trade markets. I, I think that's our responsibility, and we certainly don't take anything for granted. I think we're shifting right now in the season from a stage where uh, pundits and national writers were, were saying it's still Cleveland, the Cleveland Indians division. And I think it's shifting a little bit towards uh, an open mind that maybe we've, we've surpassed them. And I think with that comes some significant expectations for our club. And it will be very interesting to see how our team responds with expectations laid on top of them. But that's certainly something we're going to monitor. But we don't take lightly the opportunity that is presented to us right now. We certainly don't feel as if we have uh, any entitlement to play in the playoffs, we're going to need to continue to try to do things to help support this team, maximize its ability, and potentially even augment the talent around it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's that's great to hear. And we had uh, Derek Falvey, your coworker, on the Score North Twin Show, I think it was a week ago, maybe it's two weeks ago, and he shared with us a story of when he first got the job, one of his new um, rivals, I guess, adversaries, reached out to him and basically said, congrats, on getting the job in which you never feel comfortable. And it's like, it's kind of a backhanded compliment of you're always looking over your shoulder. I mean, you guys are in first place. You talked about surveying trade markets and just ways to improve internally too. Meanwhile, you just finished draft that you guys also feel pretty good about. With all that going on, do you have a sense of that, Thad? That like, yeah, this has been really fun and I'm sure Twins fans are enjoying this. But it's not time to rest now. The front office has still got a lot of work to do. No, I think in our internal conversations, we still view the Cleveland Indians as the reigning champion of the American League Central. We, we've done very well so far. We're very encouraged by the performance of this team. But we still have to make a statement for the remaining uh, three and a half months of the season here. And, and, you know, we have aspirations that extend beyond that. So I agree wholeheartedly with what Derek said. You know, we, we constantly... In moments of triumph, as well as moments of despair, we have to learn from every single one of those situations. But we certainly don't ascribe to a notion that we have anything more figured out than the next team. We have to constantly be trying to reinvent the wheel and come up with the next idea that can help impact the team. I think especially in times where things are going well, there's a natural proclivity to become a little bit complacent. I think we challenge ourselves internally here to avoid that rut and then try to continue to, to push and propel the team forward. I think one thing that has been exceptional about that is just that the conversations that take place between player development, 
scouting and our major league operations are constantly ongoing with this theme of what can we do tomorrow to get better than we were today. Uh, Thad, Matthew Collar here. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering about after now you've had a sample size of working with Rocco Baldelli, uh, what um, you felt like that working relationship with uh, him has been like and the feedback that you can give each other. And does that extend to the roster and potential improvements as well? Well, I, I think I would I would peel back even a little bit further than the inception of that relationship when, when Jim Pollard, I think, opened up interviews to include people such like Derek Falvey and myself. There was a real targeted effort to bring in some outside perspectives. Uh, this franchise had, had long had really promoted from within and done such an exceptional job of establishing the Minnesota Twins way. And I think when they departed from that, they were desirous of really tapping into the to, to some of the wealth of knowledge on organizations outside of Minnesota. And so this this hire of Rocco Baldelli has been an extension of that. And I think he's taught us as much as hopefully we've shared with him. He comes from an organization that is, is rich in, in intellect and progressive thought processes. And so it, it's been a great partnership so far in so much as I think he's pushed us as much as we've pushed him. He's exceptionally open-minded to trying – new and different and creative things. And a lot of those things he's come up with himself. And I think he's really empowered his staff uh, to, to, to own their areas of responsibility, but collaborate in other spaces. And so we're, we're having a dialogue that is crossing so many different departments in supporting the major league team. And I think that's, that's the way we're going to have to excel as a franchise. And I think it's so far, it's been better than I could have expected. So thank you. Back to the the uh, uh, conversation about changing philosophies, and you definitely, I think it was in January, talked about, when asked a question about, I think it was Harper and Machado at the time, gave a very insightful answer to where you guys thought the team might be at that point, and that it might not be time to go all in, and, and that that time might come. With how things have changed now, and, and as you said, clearly at this point, you're the best team in the division, and it's by a lot. And the fact that the American League, I don't want to say it's bad, but I think it's a little bit down. And I think you can clearly identify the best teams and the Twins are among those. How much has, has have you and Derek uh, shifted your potential philosophies about how all in you might go when it uh, takes or when it comes to trading for bullpen help or starting help as far as going up the food chain of potentially trading prospects who you like, but you're now presented a potential World Series opportunity? So I, I think it's an excellent question. We we have a lot of models that offer projections as to what should happen or what could happen, but we have to live in a world of what is happening as well. We have to balance that out. And certainly we are further along than we would have expected. And and, and also I think the Cleveland Indians, our chief competitor, has, has suffered uh, some injuries that have had a significant impact on their season so far. So we have to make adjustments throughout the process. I do think we're still trying to stay as true as we can to keeping this window open as long as possible. So we're going to be reluctant to sacrifice meaningful chances to win in 2020 and beyond in the name of just spiking up the ability to win in 2019, uh, potentially just incrementally. So, But that being said, we, we did have an eye towards trying to win in 2019 while preserving the ability to maintain our, our full strength for 2020 and beyond. That was our goal this offseason. I think we stay true to that. Uh, with a little bit more of the seesaw shifting towards maximizing wins in 2019. And what's more than that, putting yourself in a position that if you are blessed to get to the playoffs, 
that you've got a chance to, to excel once you're there. I think it was easy this offseason to say on paper the Cleveland Indians were ahead of us. It's easy now to look at it and say that the New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox, Houston Astros, amongst other teams, are very formidable in the American League. Uh, but the season's playing out a little bit differently than maybe just the paper would suggest, and we have to make adjustments to that. Last thing, sir, because uh, th- this, to me, is is probably one of the most interesting topics, especially uh, with people who hold your job, and it's this. How do you weigh um, trying to preserve things, as you said, 2020 going forward from there? How do you weigh that without looking back in 2021 and saying, darn it, we should have made this move or that move in 2019 to uh, maximize that team's potential. How big of a balancing act is that? And is there a time where the thought process is we can't afford to be too cautious because things are breaking right right now? You know, I, I think it's a, that's maybe a life question. You know, you try and I, I at least try to live my life without regrets and, I think when you're dealing with human beings as your main product, I think there's always a volatility there that you can't ever perfectly fit into a projection model or a formula. So I think there's certainly the ability for us to make decisions uh, that we may look back on and say that was extremely fortuitous or maybe we just missed on a real opportunity. Regardless of the outcome, I think we've got to learn from the process and make sure we made the decisions as soundly as we possibly could. I guarantee we're going to be weighing for the rest of the season the merits of really trying to push push for 2019 versus preserving our strength for 2020 and beyond. I, I, I'm confident and hopeful that we're, we'll try to achieve a blend of the two, not putting too much eggs in either one of those two baskets. But once again, not taking lightly the opportunity that presents itself now because we're not entitled to that in perpetuity. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the time as always. Take care. Great stuff, Thad. Thanks, guys. All right, bye-bye. That Levine Twins GM, well, that was intriguing. Wow. He gave us a lot okay. of things to think about okay. in that interview. My initial takeaway from the Keiko Kimbrell, just trying to go, go between the lines of sure. that one, and he gave us more than I thought he would. My initial takeaway is Keiko took the route as far as the contract and the ask that the Twins desired, but they wanted Kimbrell. Well, yeah, of course they. I mean, this has been reported that they made offers. No, for but Kimble, I'm saying, like, but he basically said, and he's right because the the contract, the the term. So, are you and talking money, about the player or the contract? I'm talking about the player's desire. Yes, in, yes, in Keiko's yes. case, is what the Twins wanted Kimbrel to say. Yeah, if he would have said a one that, year, I'll take the one year deal. And I would have gone pretty high on that dollar and value. Have, and they might have. Yeah, yeah. I would. I actually, I'd be surprised if they didn't make some sort of offer in that ballpark, but. What's interesting to me is that, well, two things, and I'm again, I'm reading between the lines, but like they tried to improve their club. That is known. Mm-hmm. And as you've written and said, that is an indication that you feel like there are improvements to be made. And that the, the thing that's just going to stick with me from that interview, and Thad Levine, kind enough to join us on the Score North First Place Twin Show, is that... The Twins are going to be balancing, probably for the rest of the summer, if we're being honest, how many eggs to put in the 2019 World Series basket and how many eggs to keep in 2020, 21, 22. What do you strike that balance as if you're the Twins? I, I don't have the perfect answer, but it's clearly something he and they are thinking about. 
the Keuchel thing seemed a little bit risky even on its face without doing a super deep dive. Keuchel's been a pretty good pitcher, but he also throws like 89 miles an hour. And it is the year 2019. Throwing 89 now is the equivalent of what in the 90s? Like 86? I mean, lefty is a little different, but but, I 100% agree with what you're saying. I mean, everybody's throwing 92, 94, all the top pitchers. And if you're talking about a little bit of an older guy that is not going to go up, it just kind of screams Barry Zito to me. And that one, I still would have been interested in a one-year deal for him that doesn't get locked in. But if he wanted any more than that, I I wouldn't have. I understand that even in a one-year deal, you go... You're only going to be paying for a handful of starts for a guy who hasn't pitched in quite a while that can't pitch for a few weeks that might be Barry Zito because of his arm strength. Uh, And so that one has a lot of risk. Also, your rotation is in pretty good shape. I think you're one guy away from it being in amazing shape. And I'm looking for amazing shape. I don't think Dallas Keuchel makes you have an amazing rotation if he's... If he's just what That's he what did, said, yeah, though, right? what he just did last deeper. year, yeah. yeah, just deeper. I agree with but you. A Madison Bumgarner, especially Marcus Stroman. I really like Marcus Stroman. If it's him, that makes you have an amazing rotation. Then you go into a five-game series where you can throw Barrios, Stroman, and Odorizzi. And feel like, well, we got three great pitchers. A L E R A leader Jake Odorizzi to you. That's right. That's how yeah. we but you know what it is. Yankee Stadium, if you're the Twins, doesn't impact you one bit. If you're starting Barrios and let's say Strowman, and you've got a big arm in that pen, guess what then? All of these, oh my God, it's the Yankees and we can't win in New York. Done. That narrative's done. That's how, so when, when people talk about, well, the Twins are psyched out. Guess what makes you not psyched out? Better players. Two have, big, have two big arms. Yeah. And Collar's right. Okay. I'm with him. I, I want, name higher than the guys you just mentioned. I want a guy who starts game one or two of the playoffs. Yeah, game so, one for me. And Keiko to me is a slotted in three or four. Yeah. That's not what I... I want a guy that can... I, that I say, you know what? We're in Yankee Stadium. I hope the Yankees fare okay. Right, good luck to, good luck to the Yankees. Good luck to... Yeah, that's what I want. So I... Look, the Twins are 21 games over 500. What I would consider, despite Thad Levine's protests, I mean, he might just be modest because they just lost two or three in Cleveland. The Twins are winning this division. They've got a commanding lead in the American League Central, and they're 21 full games above the 500 mark. So this is, we, we, we're, we're done talking about this as a maybe team. This is a great team that we're talking about October. And what was kind of fascinating to me is the mindset that Thad is espousing there that they probably run throughout the organization is this isn't good enough. Not the roster. Well, this this result isn't no, good enough. He, I don't care where we are he, on June 7th. He acknowledged what we know, which is the philosophy of um, everybody, which includes Falvey, Levine, everybody with that team that they carried into January, which... I believe at that time was correct. You don't know. You don't know. You signed guys, but a year ago, as Kyle pointed out, that didn't work. That philosophy now has shifted to now we we know. But Derek, where I take exception with what you just said is they're not a great team. They're I think a, they are. they're a great hitting team. No, you, I, I think this need, is a great team. No, this bullpen. You cannot be a great team with this bullpen. No way. But you can get there. Oh, they just accidentally won forty one games out of their first sixty one. 
That was just they, a, that was happenstance. This is not a great team. This is not this is not a team. If you went into the playoffs right now with this bullpen, you would not be comfortable. That does not make a I'm great not team. Saying, I'm not saying that. So they are, but what they know is that they are a very good team. They are a great hitting team with the ability to build yourself into That's right. a team that can and and this is not a small statement that can win a World Series. We're not talking about a round. Oh my goodness! If you get to the playoffs, you might win a round. I'm giving you a formula here, and they know this, to go into Yankee Stadium and say, bleep it, we're going to win. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they've only played a handful of games against teams that uh, are even formidable is makes it tougher, in my mind, to determine good or great. Because the numbers, I mean, the run differential, everybody's hitting numbers, their ERA numbers, everything. They have the best run differential in Major League Baseball today. and that Sounds like a great team that, to me. That is... Uh, However, <laughs> they're 500 That's against playoff good. teams. Uh, I mean, now you. I don't you, care about that. When, but when you play playoff teams, yeah. they're going to be harder, and that's kind of what you expect is them to Tampa, match up to you differently. Tampa, um, Houston, those are great teams, and the Twins took care of business. They did, and they lost to New York. Now, at the time, you said that those still count despite the curse, even though I said they don't count <laughs> despite the curse. But but this is what I mean is that there's only a handful of teams. Sure. Uh, you know, Milwaukee comes in and they give you a good run. Cleveland gives you right. a good run. And those games against Tampa Bay were close. The Yankees beat you. Philadelphia beat you. Houston played really close with you. That means to me you're one of the top teams. But I'm not ready to say, oh, yeah, this is a great team that that doesn't need too much else. I think that they do need at least one top caliber starter and one really, really good back-end bullpen reliever. This is a great team, and that last sentence from Matthew Collar is 100% accurate. I'm still looking to add a starter. I'm still looking to add a reliever. But, boys, that doesn't disqualify them from being a great team. Look at the Houston Astros. That's fine. Who, who, when they they won the World Series, added Justin Verlander. The the most important thing is the Twins, Brass, Brain Trust agrees with with us, which is great or good is, is fun sports talk. But the reality is they agree with us, which is they need more to get where yeah. they're going. Well, clearly but they you think don't, that. But you don't have, and that's why I said you can't be sitting here, and and God knows I've seen this with teams in this town before. It used to be based in Eden Prairie, and now they're at the TCO Performance Center. Of performance. We, we, have, seen, we have seen a team that says, well, we had a great year. The window's open, and we're going to be fantastic in 2010. Sure. Or we had a great year in 2017, and now we've got a, new, a brand new shiny quarterback, and we're going to be great in 2018. Football is probably a little bit more fickle than baseball, but sports are sports. And you can never look at opportunity presented and make assumptions off of that. And that's where you don't want to, if, you, if you're these guys, you don't want to wake up in 2022 and say, my God, why didn't we pull the trigger on that one trade that could have won us the World Series? Because one thing that's going to happen very soon, the American League Central ain't going to be this bad across the board for very long. Uh, the White Sox are going to improve themselves. That's one team. The White Sox are going to improve. I think it's Twins and White Sox well, for but, the next five years. Okay, but right now you're, what, ten and a half games up? Right. Special opportunity. Agreed. And that's why I think you go to look to add a starter. You go to look to add a reliever. If you could do them both in the same train, that's fun. Um, but I think that this is a great team that needs to add to it, just like the Astros did when they won the World Series, just like the Cubs did when they added a Raldis Chapman to win the World Series. Uh, I'm trying to think, did the Red Sox make any big ads in season last year? They needed bullpen help and didn't really do anything. Then Joe Kelly just became a monster for them in the postseason. So 
Well, they added J.D. Martinez, but that was a spring training deal. My point is just that, like, you're on a short list of teams that I view right now as a real chance to win the World Series. And to get better, to be one of those teams that puts yourself in a really good chance, probably going to need to add. I think the Twins know that. I think clearly the fact that they made an offer for Kimbrell is is an indication that they know they need to get better. So we got to take a break on the Scoring on First Place Twins show. Judd Zolgab, Matthew Collar, Manny Hill, I'm Derek Wetmore. We got to talk about a guy who hit Trace Bombas yesterday as we got almost two hours into the show before we spent meaningful time talking about Mighty Max Kepler. We'll do that next on the Score North First Place Twin Show. Let's bat around some banter. Twins. Twins. The Score North Twin Show on Score North and scorenorth.com. Going back, just to the wall. That ball is gone. Kepler on the second pitch of the game breaks an 0 for 21 streak. Driven to right down the line and deep again. And gone a two-run home run for Max Kepler, and it is three to nothing. Here's a drive to center field. Martin going back. Max Kepler has three tonight. For the second time, he's hit three home runs in a game in Cleveland. All three against Trevor Bauer, and it is five to one. Those highlights, courtesy of Fox Sports North, Dick Bramer on the call of Mighty Max Kepler. This is the Score North first place twin show with Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar, and Manny Hill. I'm Derek Wetmore. (laughs) What do you say at this point? This is a twins team that is going to continue to out-hit its flaws all year long. We talked about what it's going to look like in October, but can we at least agree, boys, that for the summer, A, this is one of the best offenses in baseball, and B, bats like Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, Nelson Cruz, and on and on, is going to win them a lot of ball games this summer. I'm going to make a comparison for all the millennials out there, not Generation Z. No, there are a few millennials. That's the younger. I don't know how many Gen Zs we have. That's that's, They probably have Podcasting. There is podcasting. Remember the Mariners team that won the most games ever in AL history? 2001. Their lineup was kind of like this. It was just guy after guy after guy after guy. And every night it was someone different. And maybe Brett Boone uh, was helping himself in a certain way that probably assisted some of his performance there. But I remember that team uh, being really interesting to me. So I, I tried to consume uh, any sort of Seattle Mariner game or box score every morning to just see what they did. <laughs> I love that team, but you couldn't just watch everybody in, right, what right. was it, like 2001 or 2001. something? I mean, but I love that team, wanted to play with that team on video games because they were so deep and they were so fun, and it was somebody different every single night. It was... What Edgar Martinez, Jay Buhner might have still been around. Brett Junior Boone, was like, on that team. I mean, uh, each, was A Rod on that team? Each was there at that point. Yep, I think A Rod um, was gone. A-Rod he was already in Texas by then. I don't think um, Griffey wasn't on that team either. Baseball really? reference is being no. a little slow, oh, but Griffey was gone by then too. He yeah. was a. Uh, I get your comparison. He though. was a red, red by then. That That's point. shocking to me. Ichiro's rookie year, and he won the MVP. Okay, yeah. Is he yeah. the last rookie to win that? So you, but you didn't have. This Probably. is why I like the comparison because you didn't have mega stars because that. He was gone. I mean, Ichiro, we didn't know anything about him, and he comes and hits 350. Brett Boone wasn't. Remember Carlos Guillen? Sure. Which is a really mm-hmm. good player. Pre Tigers Guillen. John Alarud. You had Mike Cameron, Edgar Martinez. So none of these guys were superstars. And then they had a bunch of bench players, too. I called this up, like Mark McLemore. Uh Buner was actually... Um, he was older by then. But it, my point just being that there are only a handful of teams that I can ever think of that have 
without a mega star type player, this lineup where it's somebody different every night and it's really deep. And where you're a thousand percent right is not last night. It's this. Max Kepler on this road trip was 0 for 21. He Didn't was, notice. He was 0 for 21. Career long slump. And then he comes back and and this is where college points a great point. And then he comes back last night and he's the guy. Yeah. It's different people constantly. Yeah. And the thing about the way the twins have hit, and it, it's probably because it uh, shifts around so much, you guys, is it that doesn't feel fluky. Like I can see Martin Perez, and I'm like, I really don't know here. I can see Blake Parker look lights out for three weeks, and I'm like, you call me a skeptic still. But the lineup, I, I don't say that. No. The lineup, yeah. I say it just goes from, you know, it's Kepler. Tonight it'll be CJ Crone. CJ Crone hit eighth last night. <laughs> they they are consistently, when healthy now, sitting out a good player per night. Yeah, or two. Yeah. That's fairly impressive. And the way, to maybe a little bit more modern example, not that much, but the Detroit Tigers. You mentioned Carlos Guillen, and it had me thinking about those teams. Now, there was one exception because they did have a superstar in the middle of it. But Yeah, Miguel Cabrera. Miguel there's no, Cabrera. There's no Cabrera on this team. Pudge Rodriguez. Carlos Guillen. Totally legit Pudge Rodriguez. Totally 100% that natural. Big, bigger or small Pudge? It, it that, was that big was, Pudge. That was bigger Pudge. And they Pudge had, lost uh, 35 pounds during the offseason. Why'd you do that? I don't know. Who else was on that team? They like Maglio Ardonez. Yeah. Oh, uh, Maglio was yeah, great. They, yeah, they that were, was they were just really deep. a team. That felt and, more like a star-studded team, though. Like, this is not... I, I don't perceive this yet as being uh, full of stars. I kind of do, though. It's so, just they're pre-stars. Okay, but then they're pre. Right. Yeah, well, almost every player, you either have... Some Someone that they brought up through the system, or you have somebody who they just brought in for a pretty cheap dollar yeah. and to be able to fill every single position. And, you know, the, the one spot where I think it's made a huge difference, you, Derek, uh, talking baseball with me off the air, will not be surprised to say this, is Jason Castro. Yeah. I was a little bit of a Jason Castro skeptic. We even talked about it early in the year. I said, if he's not going to hit, then he just shouldn't, shouldn't play. You love catchers. But I love catchers, and I love really smart catchers. And I think Jason Castro has had an impact at the plate, finally. He hasn't really done this much in his career, so maybe he'll dip a little bit. But even if he does... He is the offensive coordinator back there. He's calling the plays, and he is in full control. He is not the type of catcher that is going to spit fire and run out there and get in the pitcher's face or anything like that. But he seems to be a really detailed and control catcher back there. And I see a lot of comfortable pitchers. So yep. when I'm looking at a catcher, I'm not just analyzing him. I'd, I'd love to talk to Glenn Perkins about this, but I'm always looking at the body language of the pitcher because if he seems sort of frustrated or a little agitated, like that's not what you want. I never see guys really shaking him off. It's mostly execute what Jason Castro has to say back there. And I, him being healthy has been a huge difference in my mind. Yeah, Mac, uh, Mitch Garver would be on that list, too, for me. He's a guy who you He's weren't. He's improved a ton. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. He, he was it's absurd how much uncatchable he last year. Yeah, and that's a guy that if he hadn't gotten hurt, we talked about it in the first hour on the Score North First Place Twin Show. Mitch Garver is an all-star. Although, explain this. Last night. How in two of his at-bats does Garver have the bat on his shoulder and look absolutely helpless? And then I, I think the at-bat in between hits a screaming double. He's looking for something else. That was an interesting night yeah, for him. Yeah, a lot of... Lot he's of, been great. He's been... I give him credit. But oh. it, him behind the plate tells you about him as a person, I think. Yes, because he cared a lot. you have to... Re- I mean, that's an insanely hard position. Yep. It, you... 
you see all sorts of good hitters who they just move out of there immediately because of how difficult it is. And he still does some little, there's some little details that I don't love about him behind the plate, but he is so much more, so much more secure. He's gone from abysmal to probably a little below average, which is a massive jump. I mean, he was so bad last year. I was saying, okay, this guy can just never play this position again. And now I'm like, he he looks like a regular guy. Catcher of the present and future. I mean, and he's just, Judd and I have talked about this before. I get your take on it, Matthew, that in a normal season, a typical season, you might take what you just said about Jason Castro or, hey, recently extended Max Kepler, who hit three bombas last night. We might look at that and say like, wow, yeah, this is a, this is the story. This is the story, right? There are a small handful every year, every sport. This is the story of this club. How could you pick? How could you pick on this Twins team? I'll you just literally throw a dart and say, okay, yeah, there's a story there. Taylor Rogers story. No, right. Develop the slider. Mitch Garver, Jason Castro, Max Kepler, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Polanco. If I had to pick one, though, I would go Buxton. He's just been amazing. Well, He's been because fantastic. That, that's key for 2019 and the next 10 years potentially, too. But he, And to me, he hasn't just been good. He's been incredibly I, good. He'll probably go to the All-Star game, I would think. I called him the most exciting player in baseball, and Patrick said I was smoking weed. You're not smoking weed. But he's I probably the second most exciting. I think he's the most exciting player Maybe in third. baseball right now. Well, who's first? Uh, the guy you're watching over your right shoulder there in the Cubs game, Javi Baez. Javi Baez, in my opinion, is fun. Yeah, but he does not cause... Buxton is a bleeping nightmare. <laughs> yes, he is. Once he gets... He's a... He, First of all, I just that's wish so we, matter of I wish we stole more bases these days, like just in baseball but in general. Because players don't. In in 1994, oh. he would have had like racing Ricky Henderson. 70. Can <laughs> yeah, you imagine right. 50 by June uh, 15th? Real quick, you ever hear the Ricky Henderson story when he was hurt one year and somebody else won with like 80 stolen bases, the stolen base title? I have not heard this. Story. And he called them up. I forget who the, who it was. He called them up. He said, "Hello, hey, this is Ricky." Ricky would have had that by the All-Star break and then hung up. Oh, no. And that sounds exactly like him. Yep. He was absolutely (laughs) crazy, but he was great. Jeez. There are just a number, a dozen, two dozen, I don't know, stories on the Twins this year, and it's why they're 41-20 and and in first place, commanding lead in the American League Central. We just could not get to all of them if we had a four-hour show. That's why we expanded our Twins coverage. Fridays, it's a two-hour show. But every weekday on Score North, noon, you can hear Twins Talk here, the first place Score North Twins show. For Judd Zalgett and Matthew Collar and Manny Hill on the on the board, I'm Derek Wetmore saying we'll talk to you on Monday.